What's up, guys? Welcome to episode six of Theology Unscripted with Dr. Jones. Today we will, today we will be discussing predestination and the topic of free will. This is Theology Unscripted. All right, Dr. Jones, how are you doing today? I am so good, David. Thanks for uh, thanks for uh, being here today. I mean, you had to. Of course. It's our class, but, you know, still, thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. Well, let's get things started off right away. I do have a question for you. What is predestination? Uh, a lot of people, man, in college, you know, it was the cool thing to argue about uh, predestination or free will. It's just what you did. And uh, I don't know. I was always kind of annoyed with the topic. I don't know. Um I never really liked the idea of predestination, which essentially says, um, and again, I'm really uh, probably going to summarize this in a way that will make uh, people who hold a Reformed theology, which uh, those are the kind of people who believe in predestination, usually among a lot of other things. Uh, But I'm going to sum it up in a way that really they'd probably cringe at. But just for the sake of our argument, when we're talking about predestination, talking about God, when he creates people, He knows in advance and created them knowing they're going to follow him or not. Some people will say he predestines for heaven or predestines them for hell. Mm -hmm. And it's a hard thing for a lot of people because you have to balance the sovereignty of God with with the free will of man and all of that. And uh, so predestination really comes down to that question. Does God predestine before they are created, even before time began, does he predestine people for heaven or hell or something else? I see, I see. Now, I did hear you mention the topic of free will. Would you mind explaining that to us? Yeah, the idea of free will is going to be one where we talk about God as not someone who predestines people. He, he probably, we, we call it foreknowledge. He's, he knows who's going to follow him and who isn't, but it really uh, kind of puts the, uh, the will, again, of who's going to follow or not in the hands of the, the person, not in the sovereignty of God to predestine them to do that. So, uh, a lot of times, th- I mean, this is it. Like I said, in college, this was the cool thing to do, is argue free will or predestination, which one do you believe in? So, you know, I think, you know, if you ask, like, who believes in which one, I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are uh, a few people, I'd say a few, a few people I know, several people I know, lots of people, I'm sure, uh, just a few I can think of um, right now, but that would say they're reformed. And when you talk about reformed, you have to consider what is reformed theology, you might have heard of a Calvinist before who believed in some of the teaching of John, Cal- uh, John Calvin and his protege, Theodore Beza. Uh, a lot of people don't really claim to be Calvinists anymore. They're going to say they're, they have a Reformed theology, which does kind of hold on to some of these uh, beliefs about predestination, sovereignty of God, salvation by grace. Uh, really, you know, you, it just seems like people think you got to believe in predestination or free will. It's one or the other for a lot of people. All right. Well, last question for me here. How important would you say predestination and free will is for the average Christian? I think this is a really important question to consider. I think that we have to consider what is it, uh, what is the balance? We see in the Bible, we see God uh, in talking about his elect, talking about the people who are uh, chosen to be his. Uh, That's in the Bible. Uh, You can't ignore it. You can't ignore that it's there. But you also can't ignore that the entire story of the Bible is based on the free will of mankind. I mean, just from the very first chapters, God says, here's a tree in the middle of the garden. You're commanded not to eat it, but it's your choice to do it or not. I mean, free will is just so clear. 
Uh, so I think that's what is really important to consider is the fact that you see two things in the Bible that seem to contradict each other. And what do you do about that? So I do think this is a really important thing to discuss. All right. Well, I'm going to kick things over to my buddy Christopher, but thank you for those definitions. So, Dr. Jones, I was wondering, uh, you know, the ideas of predestination and free will, can those, you know, be consolidated into the same belief set or are they, you know, wholly contradictory? A lot. So many people talk about this as one or the other. I think that's what we were, we talked about that a little bit. So uh, when you ask me this question, I say absolutely. So let me I follow this up, ask you some questions. Really All quick. right. Do you hold, do you believe God can be both three and one at the same time? We call that the doctrine of the Trinity. Why, well, yes, I do. Yeah, okay. Did, could, do you believe that God, uh, in the form of the Son, when Jesus came to earth, he was fully God and fully man at the same time? Yep. All right. So I ask you, if we, as believers, believe these things that are seeming contradictions, that seem to not uh, work together, you, you think, well, you can't be three and one. You have to be one or the other. We can't be fully God and fully man. You have to be half. Right? We somehow look at this topic of free will and predestination and the doctrine of election, you might call it, of God electing or predestining people. Mm -hmm. We look at them and say, well, we've got to put our human terms on this. We've got to say, oh, yeah, we uh, it's either it's one or the other. And we somehow can't accept the mystery that maybe it's both. Again, that's what I mentioned. Both are in the Bible. Can, can God somehow be fully sovereign and in that allow us to be fully free at the same time? Can he do that? Absolutely. Yep, I understand. God doesn't have to play by our rules that we, you know, just perceive on earth. He's, you know, so much greater and more than we could understand why do we have to understand exactly yes yeah. i think some of the some of my favorite things about god are the things that i don't understand about him at all i just because it's what well, that just shows how holy and har how far above us he is and how worthy of our worship he is and i think the the problem that i have always had when somebody takes a really hard line on election and predestination and says it's this and free will has nothing to do with our with the human condition the problem is is now you're telling me that God is sovereign, but you're telling me something he can't do. He can't allow us in his sovereignty to have free will. Yeah, I think you're right on the money there with that. Yeah, I so can God do that? Can God say, in my sovereignty, I have full control over the entire universe, and I uh, or ordered the world before it was created, and I, God can say those things, and then that same moment say, I'm going to give people full free will within my sovereignty? Of course he can do that. I don't have to understand it for him to be able to do that. All right, Dr. Jones, my question for you is, if all events, past, present, and future, are willed by God, what do you think God has willed for us believers? I believe that it is summed up in Romans 8, 29. Uh, it says that those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many siblings or brothers and sisters, however you might want to say that. So that verse... Uh, we should probably look at the context of that if we have some time to do that. But it, that, that verse touches on this idea of predestination we're talking about, um, and it talks about foreknowledge. So there's a lot more we could unpack about that, and maybe we will. We'll see how the conversation goes. But when it comes down to what is God's will for mankind, it's for, for us to be uh, conformed to the image of his Son, to look more like Jesus. That is 
it, it really just comes down to that. You know, when people talk about God's will, a lot of it is, has God planned out uh, my life for me? And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest, I don't know if he does. You know, you, everyone always says God has a plan for your life. And yeah, I hope so, because if I plan my life, I'm going to mess it up really bad. So I really hope he's guiding my steps and pointing me in the right direction. Um, but I think what that comes down to is if I am focused on this, uh, on this verse, that I am to be conformed to the image of Jesus, I think that it doesn't matter where my life goes. I think if I'm following that uh, will of God for my life, that he's going to order my path and set me on the path that I should go. And I think that goes for all of us as well. So I think if we focus on being conformed to the image of his son, then uh, it's going to be very clear to us what his will is for our lives. So earlier, Dr. Jones, I'm listening to what you're saying. You said you want us to look more like Jesus. Well, I mean? said the Bible says that. Yeah, I didn't right. say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible wants us to do yeah. that. Do you mean his character or like all things in general, his appearance, his character, just like the way he acted or any of those things? I think it is. I mean, so we're up, we're never going to match his sinlessness. We're just not. You know, right. we are granted his righteousness by grace through faith, but we are not, we're, we, we cannot match his sinlessness here on earth. Um, so when it says to be more, to be conformed to the image of his son, I think that just means is uh, striving to be like him in his character. I think it does have a lot to do with that. Uh, when we're talking image, it doesn't often mean uh, appearance, although it could, but it really more, I think it means uh, character and things like that. Um, you know, I lo- looking at the context of the verse that I read, Romans 8, uh, 8, 29, uh, the, the verse before that is a very famous verse that says, and we know God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I think a lot of people use that verse to say, well, see, God will just give me whatever I want if I love him. And that's just, it's not what it means in context, right? That's why the next part says, uh, this is what he wants us to do is to be conformed to the image of his son. After that, it says, and uh, for those he predestined, he called, those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he glorified. So we, we talk about what is the good for us. It's that he justified us by his blood, and we are glorified with him uh, through his resurrection. That, that is what it means to be conformed to the image of his son, not just to be like him in character. And well, yeah, I think, well, I just, I just kind of realized that reading that right now. Being conformed to the image of his son means being glorified in his resurrection like him. I think that's what this verse is saying to us. Um, you know, after it keeps going, it says, what should we say in response to this? I, thanks, Paul. You know, I kind of appreciate I don't. I don't know if I know what to say in response, so he's going to help us out a little bit. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? I mean, when it says all things, you know, what more could he give us but eternal life, I think? So, uh then he goes. He uh, finishes up this chapter. Says, "Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is there to condemn us? For Christ Jesus, who died, and more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and He's interceding for us." So I just I think that's so powerful to say for Paul to call us to be conformed to the image of Jesus, and then talk about Jesus in this way that He was raised to life and is at the right hand of God, and that's who Paul says that we should be conformed to the image of. So I think it has a lot to do with that, uh, justified, glorified uh, with God, uh, not that we deserved it, and it's through faith in him and him alone. How are you doing, Dr. Jones? Hey, good to see you, Dylan. Good to see you, too. Welcome back from senior trip. Thank you, thank you. So is there anywhere else in the Bible that talks about predestination? 
Let's I uh, let's see. Let's look at Ephesians one. So there's a lot, uh, several places. Ephesians one is the other place I go to. If you're not in Romans eight, I'm looking at Ephesians one. So the whole intro to uh, to Ephesians, Paul is talking about uh, predestination and election. It says in verse four, it says even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, and that's a bold statement, is that God chose us to be his before he even formed the world. I mean, that's a powerful statement. And I don't want to take away, you know, I feel like I'm kind of getting down on predestination. I don't want to sound like that. I believe that God chose us before the foundation of the world. I do believe that because other to believe otherwise is to ignore this passage and other passages. But I think what we need to focus on is not, uh, does God choose us one way or the other? I think that our free will is so evident as well that we have to understand uh, this in that context and say, wow, God chose us before he even created us. And that's amazing. So I think, you know, when we're thinking about predestination, these kind of things, I think rather than focusing, does God choose one person and not the other? Let's just be thankful that God chose us before the foundation of the world. So I think that from Ephesians 1, uh, there's tons of language about adoption in Ephesians 1 uh, and uh, things like that, being adopted as sons and daughters in Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, uh, so uh, that Ephesians one—that's another. This is another place where I would go to. Uh, but you know, really, I want to focus on just this fact that you know, the Bible talks about predestination, whether we like it or not, whether we want to say it. Like you, I, for me, it's always been. I've never liked this topic of predestination, but I can't just say I don't like it and then ignore it. So uh, I try to read Ephesians one in that light and say, "What God? What are you telling me? This is in your word." that uh, we are predestined before the foundation of the world. And what does that mean? And it just makes me thankful. So uh, that's kind of the other place for me where I see predestination happening. What's up, Dr. Jones? I'm back. Welcome back. Okay, so I've always been taught my whole life, God is omnipotent, omniscient, and all-powerful. I think that's one of them. But if God's all-powerful and, like, controls everything and knows everything, like, how does that come into play with the free will? Like, if we can make our own choices, does God know every single outcome of every possible thing, kind of like a bracket almost. Have you ever seen Next with Nicolas Cage? I don't think so. It's a no. really interesting movie where Nicolas Cage's character can kind of see the future, but it's kind of like you explained. He can see different branches depending on his choices and different mm -hmm. things like that. And I think, you know, a lot of people see God that way. I'd say uh, some people see like God has ordained every single thing, every decision, every act of every person ever mm -hmm. and just pre-ordered and predestined everything that would ever happen in the world mm -hmm. right so that is a view that holds a very high uh puts high stakes on god's what you're you know what you're talking about they'd call it his sovereignty his omnipotence those kind of things um but really just leaves no room for free will it just makes us uh you know in, in one sense just pawns in god's chess game or yeah. whatever you might want to say about that um and i, I just i don't know if that's what the Bible teaches, I, I, you know, it's, there is this sense from the beginning that God puts us here and he says to mankind, you have a choice to follow me or not. Mm -hmm. That it's the foundational to the creation story is in creation. Here you are, mankind. I've given you the tree of life. The gift of eternal life is here. You can take it. You're free to eat it. But hey, there's also this tree. You're not allowed to have that. Yeah. Why even put that tree there then? You know, I, I, is it possible that God has said, yeah, I always planned to 
for I, I I made it so that mankind would sin and take from the tree, and I made it so that I would send my son. This has always been the plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it possible that that's what happened? Absolutely, that's possible. Is it also possible that God gave us true free will in His omnipotence? I think that's more likely. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a lot of people that are disagree with me about that, but. I just I don't think you can get away from the fact that God put that choice before mankind and he in his sovereignty somehow is still in control, even though he gave us free will. And again, I don't think we can fully understand that. I don't think we're meant to understand that. Mm -hmm. But since we see both things very clearly in the Bible, I don't think we can say it's free will or predestination. I think God preordained everything in the world and that includes our free will somehow. I will ask God when I get to heaven, just like all of us. My favorite thing about theology is that all we're going to have is more questions because God is so beyond our understanding. But um, I'm, I don't, yeah, I, a lot of times when I get done talking about theology, I'm speechless, and that's happening right now. I don't know what else to add. I, I uh, am just in awe of uh, a God that is beyond my understanding. Mm. So kind of like to wrap it up, would you say that predestination, free will, they could both coexist? Like God created us with that free will, but he also he knows everything that can happen and will happen in our lives. Because at the end of the day, all we're doing is living in his plan. But like no matter what we do, it doesn't affect his end goal, which is to eventually save all his believers. Yes. God is not a dependent being. I think that is important. I think that uh, might be slightly different topic, but it definitely relates. God is not dependent on us to accomplish his purpose and will. Yet he calls us to be a part of it. And I think that's what is uh, is so amazing to me is we are not uh, we are part of God's plan, but we are not necessary for it. So being a part of his plan is something that we uh, were chosen for and can choose for ourselves. And again, yeah, I think it has to be both because what choice do we have? They're both in the Bible. Well, folks, that'll wrap it up for today's podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. I'm going to edit this out, but it sounds real cool. Hey, Chris, go. All right. All right. (laughs)